are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Good morning, and welcome to another edition of the Sun Solar Panel. This is Dave King, and today I am joined by special guest Drew Hill of the Daily Memphian. Drew is the beat writer for the Memphis Grizzlies, and today I'm going to break down, he and I are going to break down the Grizzlies in detail, talk about how they've developed since last year over the course of this year, how they might match up with the Suns in the playoffs, what are their greatest strengths, what are their greatest weaknesses, we'll break down all the different players on the team, and we'll break down what they think of the Phoenix Suns and how the Suns look for this year's playoffs. So this is a great, I had a great time with Drew. I really appreciate his time. I hope you do too. And uh, let's get into it. Drew, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate your time today. Uh, what I do like to do, and as my as my listeners know, I like to bring in other perspectives from around the league. I like to hear what people outside of the Phoenix area think about not only about the Suns, but about their own team in your case. We are talking about the Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies are in a dogfight for uh, the second seed in the in the West against the Golden State Warriors, who just seem to be struggling uh, since Draymond Green went out to win a lot of games. While Memphis has been has been doing very very well. So, Drew, my first question to you is: How do you think the race is going to end up in the in the West? Do you see the Grizzlies taking over the number two slot, and how? I do. Um, and I don't know if that necessarily means that the Grizzlies are a better team than Golden State, but I do see it shaking out where the Grizzlies end up being the two seed, mainly because the Grizzlies' schedule is a lot easier. Now, they just lost to the Rockets the other night, so this is the NBA, so, you know, schedule only matters to a certain degree, but um, I I just think that their schedule is, is pretty light when you look at the rest of the year. And then when you look at the tiebreaker scenarios, Memphis is in a great position, you know, to win that should they end up you know, finishing tied, which a lot of these computer metrics are picking them to finish with the same record. So, um, you know, Memphis already holds that series lead two to one, but they, they'll play one more game. If they finish two to two, it'll go to whichever team wins the division. And obviously because Phoenix is going to be the favorite to win Golden State's division and, and Memphis has a pretty – significant lead over the Mavericks in their own division um, that it it looks like it would go to to Memphis in that sort of scenario. So I think Memphis is going to get them. I think it's going to be because of scheduling. Uh, It'll be close, but I think if they played a playoff series, Golden State would probably still be favored. Hey man, I tell you, uh, losing to the Rockets is, is, is no shame. Uh, The Suns barely beat the Rockets two weeks ago had to have a comeback Uh, the Rockets when they decide to play really well and they're on and they're fighting and they're in their focus they can actually be a pretty good team they just can't do it very often they don't have any vets on that team to really and I don't count Dennis Schroeder as a great vet but he'll have his games he'll have his good games Um, so no shakes there no worries there Uh, so Memphis you think is are going to finish with the number two seed I think it's really clear to me even though it's still six weeks out it's really clear to me that it's going to be Memphis and Golden State in that two three slot, regardless of order, and they'll end up playing each other uh, in the second round. Let's assume. But have you thought about first round possible matchups with Memphis? Who do you think they're going to end up against, and uh, what are their chances there? Well, I think it'll be that's harder to predict, right? Because of the yeah. play-in scenario, if I do <laughs> believe that they're going to finish 
second. I can tell you who Memphis fans don't want to see is Denver, just because it feels like Denver's getting it going at the right time, uh, and they're supposed to get healthy before the end of the year. So Denver would be definitely a matchup that you don't want to see. Now, good news is it looks like if you finish second, you can avoid Denver because Denver has a chance to finish, you know, within the top five. So, right. um, you know, I, I think that that's, that's the one that everybody does not want to see. Minnesota is a team that's playing well now, but generally speaking, the Grizzlies are probably a better team. They've played mm-hmm. some close games this year. Most recently, the Grizzlies lost to the Timberwolves. Uh, D'Angelo Russell could not miss in the fourth quarter. I think he had like 24 points in the fourth quarter or something crazy. Um, and so uh, I think Minnesota would be the preferred matchup outside of maybe a Clippers team getting out of the play-in that still doesn't have Paul, you know, Kawhi Leonard and is not really mm-hmm. themselves. I think that the, the team that the Grizzlies would most like to play is the Clippers. The team that they're most likely to play, maybe Minnesota. I think I could see Minnesota yeah. getting out of the play-in. Yeah, I definitely don't see the Lakers at this point climbing up to the six-seven range. I just I haven't seen anything. They they've got. I mean, they they can get Anthony Davis back, obviously, and they'll be a little bit better. But they've shown uh, more propensity to shoot themselves in the foot than to beat any other team. Uh, ahead of them, especially in a series. So. And there's a there's a Memphis tie-in to that. The, the Grizzlies, yeah. hilariously, this is one of my favorite storylines at the end of the season, are cheering for the Lakers. They are huge Lakers fans because of this New Orleans pick situation. <laughs> New Orleans traded their their, their first-round pick, uh, the Lakers' first-round pick, to the Grizzlies this year. And the, the, as the Lakers fell off, Grizzlies fans were rejoicing. But it's top 10 protected. So if the Lakers end up in the top 10, the pick ends up going to – uh, or, or it ends up becoming two second round picks. So it's it's funny to see that the Grizzlies are actually cheering for to play the Lakers in the play-in. That's that's what the Grizzlies' ideal scenario is. Um, I don't think anyone believes it's going to happen. But yeah, that, that that if the Grizzlies got to pick, they'd say, "Oh, well, the Lakers," because it would mean that they end up, you know, uh, getting an extra first round pick this year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Memphis, I, I, I just not, I'm not convinced on Memphis. I, as you pointed out, they can get hot. They've got some really good talent. I just don't, um, until I see it, I wouldn't, I don't believe that they can win a playoff series with the roster the way it is. Although Chris Finch is a good coach. Yeah. So you're not worried at all or too much about the Clippers. No, because the Grizzlies have, uh, as far as from the Grizzlies perspective, I think that they've handled them pretty well. They swept them this season. Um, Paul George even went off in the first game. He had 41 points. Grizzlies still won pretty easily. Uh, The Grizzlies just – there's not enough fight on that Clippers team, and the Grizzlies really want to pound you in the paint and on the glass, and I just don't really think that they have the bigs to really contend there. And, yeah, I think that the Grizzlies would win a playoff series against the Clippers fairly easily. Okay, so you think because of their because their greater size, and obviously you've got um, Aquaman in the middle there with Stephen Adams, uh, that that really just makes it a big advantage for you guys in in the middle there. Okay, so that's interesting because the Suns Suns fans are a little bit worried about the Clippers, even though we beat the Clippers in the playoffs this past year. If the Clippers get Paul George back. I don't think they're going to get Kawhi Leonard back, but if they get Paul George back, that could be a tough team because they play five out 
and and all that. But and then they've got Ivica Zubats, however you say his name, uh, in, coming in in the middle. But it's interesting. So the Grizzlies have more size. We'll talk about Suns Grizzlies in a minute. Um, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on that too. But let's go, let's finish out really quick on the on the West. Um, it is possible that Dallas will be in the sixth spot, and you didn't mention them yet. How do you think they match up with Memphis? Memphis has struggled against Dallas so far this year. Um, the games have been weird. Ja, there was a game where Luca and Porzingis didn't play. Obviously, Porzingis has now moved on to Washington, but there's a game where they both didn't play. There's a game where Ja didn't play. Um, there was a game where they all played. And if, if Dallas has a chance against a team like Memphis, and I think they certainly would, uh, it's because they can slow the game down and play in the half court. And Luca is really good in the half court whereas the Grizzlies really, really struggle in those situations. They want to play fast. They want to get in transition. They want to use their guys like Ja and Jaron Jackson and the, the athletes that they have on the team. And uh, I just don't think that they're very well equipped to play in a slow game like Luka has made it uh, this year. So the Mavericks have actually had the Grizzlies number, one of the few good teams that actually has a winning record against the Grizzlies. Um, Grizzlies have been – an anomaly, like a weird team. They're, they're one and three against the Trailblazers. They got losses to the Thunder and the Rockets, yet <laughs> they've got great wins. You know, they've got yeah. two wins over Golden State. They've got two wins over Utah. They got uh, three wins over Denver and uh, the win in Phoenix. And so uh, they've got great wins and they've also got some head scratching losses. And I think Dallas is a few of those head scratching losses. And uh, their ability to slow the game down it would make it a challenge for the Grizzlies for sure. Yeah, you see how you don't have too much worry about the Clippers, while Suns fans do have a bit of a worry about the Clippers. The Suns fans don't have any worry about Dallas. I mean, I think I think the Suns have one loss to Dallas in the last three years. Uh, and Luca, because of Mikel Bridges on on the perimeter and DeAndre Ayton to an extent even picking up Luca if necessary um, on that pick and roll. They really know how to make Luca a one-man show. And if you can make Luca a one-man show, you can beat the Mavericks. So the Suns are not actually, the Suns fans anyway, are not actually that worried about Dallas. Luca's like one and nine or something like that against the, against the Suns. So it'll be interesting to see if that comes to fruition. I just personally don't think Dallas will get there. And the first time they would, play the Suns would be hopefully the Western Conference Finals because uh, just the way the brackets are going to lay out there's no way uh, uh, no I shouldn't say that second round I guess because right now they're four or five so Dallas might be the second round matchup if they beat uh, Utah in the first round if if seedings stay the same so that that's interesting you guys aren't worried about the Clippers and the Suns fans aren't worried about um, Dallas that much um, so the clip, uh, the Grizzlies, so let's talk, let's break down. Let's talk about the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are 44 and 22 right now. It's incredible how they've had their wins and how they've, how they've racked up wins and how they played this year with breakneck pace. Uh, it it's, what do you, obviously their strengths are in the open court. How do you think they get into the open court constantly and, and teams aren't scheming to, to take that away? They have speed and they have active defense. I think those are the two things that 
really, really helps the Grizzlies play their style. Um, they led, led the league. I haven't checked in a while, but they led the league in steals, blocks, and deflections at one point. Um, so their defense is disruptive, uh, and, and that allows them to get out in transition when you're turning the ball over. They call it cycles themselves. Like, we want to turn our defense into offense. Um, and when you they, – they have probably the most – two-way alley-oop players in the league when your point guard is throwing down dunks the way Jaws yeah. throwing down dunks. Um, they've got guys that can throw alley-oops and they've got guys that can finish alley-oops and they're one of the – they are the number one team in the NBA in those running alley-oop situations in transition, which makes them really exciting to watch. Um, but they, they're really disruptive and they're just fast. If you're not paying attention – they will inbound the ball quickly. I've seen them do it after a made free throw. They'll inbound the ball quickly, and Ja will use his speed to run right past everybody and get a dunk. Um, and so if you're not being attentive to getting back on defense and making sure you're set, they're going to hurt you in that way. And I think that that is what can give Grizzlies fans a little bit of comfort going into the playoffs. Because generally speaking, the game will slow down a little bit in the playoffs because every possession matters that much more. So teams will slow down. They'll try to cut down the turnovers. And that's not what the Grizzlies want. They still want it to be, you know, a NASCAR race for the whole game. So mm. um, I think what gives Grizzlies fans some comfort, though, is that even after these makes, they're going to push the tempo over and over and over and over again, try to wear you out uh, to where at the end of the game you can just have Ja running past everybody still. And um, it, it has worked so far this season. They're having a tremendous year. Jaws obviously playing at a, you know, he's probably going to finish top five in MVP voting. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think all of that uh, combined has really worked out well for them. And the fact that they're still, their two best players are 22 years old. I think right. that the Grizzlies fans a lot of hope. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So what happened? Tell, talk me through, what happened in the playoffs last year? They won the first game against the Jazz, and then uh, they lost four straight. So how and and then how different they are? So first, tell me what happened in that playoff series, and then what they've done differently this year that might uh, produce a different outcome. Well, in the in the first game of the playoffs, Dylan Brooks and Ja both played tremendous and efficiently, and they end up sneaking up on the Jazz and getting a win. They lost the rest. Ja lost 40. He got a 47-point performance in game two. They lost. Um, they just really didn't have – their defense was not versatile enough, I guess would be the term, in order to go defend the Jazz because they had the space of floor with so many shooters and they were getting switched off and the Jazz really killed them from behind the three-point line and, and that was pretty much it. Uh, they, they're inexperienced in the playoffs. They they didn't have Desmond Bain uh, playing the way that he is now as a starter. Um, Grayson Allen was playing a lot of minutes, but I think really it was defensively they they were hurt uh, hurt pretty good by the by the Jazz in those last uh, four games of that series. And what's different this year is that they've got Jaron Jackson Jr. healthy. Last year he mm -hmm. missed almost the entire season leading up into the playoffs. Jaron's been great. He's one of the NBA's blocks leaders this year. He's been awesome on defense. They like to play him at the five a lot. Um, he's getting close to seven feet tall now because he's still so young. He's grown a little bit. Um, and so 
I, having him obviously is a huge help defensively. They liked Steven Adams defensively. They thought he was a little bit more quick uh, than Jonas Valanciunas. I think that we've seen that uh, work as well. And then they have had their players make the leap. Like Ja is playing at a ridiculous level right now. He's one of the most exciting players in the NBA, if not the most exciting. Uh, and then you've got Desmond Bain, who's now made a jump to becoming – a guy that could score 20 plus points for you on any given night and is a great shooter. They certainly have concerns, but I think that uh, from a team standpoint, um, they're a lot different than they were last year for sure. Yeah, they're definitely growing. They're obviously better a lot. As you said, as you talk about the, their young players are definitely jaws better this year. Jaron Jackson jr. Is a ton better this year. Even, the one that played in the playoffs, um, that he is a lot better. So let's let's talk about Jaron Jackson Jr. a little bit. And I know we're burying the lead, not talking about Jaw too much yet, but um, he's kind of a given to me. But we'll still get to him. Let's talk about Jaron Jackson Jr. a bit. His first few years in the league, uh, he foul prone, yet really super talented, and uh, developed his three point shot to where he was. I don't know if he was taking six, seven shots, threes a game. Uh, two years ago, he hardly played last year. This year, tell us what's different about Jaron Jackson Jr. today than the one that folks saw that was so great until he hurt his knee in the bubble and uh, how he's evolved. Jaron's first year was kind of, uh, oh, wow, this guy can shoot. He can shoot threes. This guy might be a modern NBA big. Um, he really wowed everybody with that three-point shooting. And then it evolved into, well, wow, he can score inside too. This guy's really a, a tremendous scorer. And he starts playing really good offensively before he goes into the bubble. Um, and then, you know, he, he's he's got both. He really starts to put it together right before – offensively right before he goes to the bubble. Uh, but he still has the foul prob- problems. Um, he's still fouling a lot. He's, he's missing time, you know, large chunks of games because of it. He comes back uh, from the knee and doesn't really look like himself last season. Never really had, never really got into a groove or, or looked comfortable all the way through the end of the year. And then this year, I think all that's changed. The shot has not been very good this year. He's shooting below 30% from three-point range since January 1st. Um, and I think the three-point shooting is a big area of concern. Um for the Grizzlies going into the playoffs, they need him to start making those shots. Uh, and the inside scoring game has been good, but they haven't really been able to use them in the ways I guess that they imagined. It's a lot of it is throw it to Jaron and let him create on his own, as opposed to incorporate him in the offense and have him score that way. But where he, where his game has changed the most is on defense. He stopped fouling as much. He's blocking a, huge rate of shots um and it it changed the perspective on jaron changed from well it doesn't even really matter how much he's scoring anymore now that when when you have jaw scoring the way that he is and desmond bain taking this leap as much as it is what is he doing on the defensive end to impact games because his defense has all of a sudden turned into this huge storyline and you know, you've got guys like Job, you know, saying that he should be the defensive player of the year. Go look at his block statistics, blah, blah, blah. They're all vouching for this guy after every single game. Um, and so, honestly, if you 
if you want to know who the tipping point player is for the Grizzlies, it's Jaron because he has that offensive potential and he has that defensive uh, game. Now it's, it shows up every night now, pretty much um, that he is the guy that can push the Grizzlies to the point that everyone thinks that they can get to, but he's still not the most consistent player yet. And so I think that there's still a lot of untapped potential there with him. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, how much he can grow alongside the guys like job, because, you know, I guess because of the knee injury and for whatever other reason, it just has not been as consistent from him. We haven't seen him make the same leap where every single night he's putting up, you know, 20 or 25 points and getting three or four blocks. It's only happened defensively so far. So I, I really do. I think that he is the guy that will determine just how far the Grizzlies go in the playoffs. Uh, it's really interesting. And I know, I don't know how uh, Memphians feel about the uh, 2018 draft, you know, Jaron Jackson, DeAndre Aiden, Luca, all that. Um, but what happened with DeAndre Aiden is that he came into the league as an offense first guy who was kind of a matador on defense. Year two, he got Aaron Baines. He got a veteran center, similar to where you guys have uh, a veteran defensive-oriented center, I guess I would say, because uh, you guys, with Steven Adams, I don't know if that's been a big influence on Jaron as far as positioning and then just mentality on defense. Um, so and then DeAndre Ayton became more of a defender. And then by year three, um, he was exactly the way you're describing Jaron today, which is, hey, um, he's doing great, but he's he's inconsistent. He's not the he, you don't know how he's going to uh, perform in the playoffs. And if he's consistent, that could be a tipping point. If he's great, that could be a tipping point for the Suns. That was the exact storyline we had going into the playoffs last year that as good as Chris Paul and Devin Booker were, and in your case, as good as John Morant and all them, the real tipping point is how will that one big man play? Can he be that unicorn to help carry a team through the playoffs? And Aiden did it. Aiden did it in year three playoffs. You guys saw it. Um, everyone in the world finally saw what uh, what he's and, and they saw the best of him. He was so focused. He set records for con, uh, double doubles to start a playoff career. He set records on field goal percentage and conversion and all that. But defensively is where he really held down the Suns because he could do a little bit of everything. In one round, he's switching out on the perimeter, like against the Clippers, who were playing five out in last year's playoffs. And then another round, he's stopping Nikola Jokic, or at least holding him to under 40% shooting. And and all this, and, and that was the tipping point for the Suns, and he did come through. And so uh, it sounds very similar to what you guys are hoping for uh, from Jaron Jackson Jr. And if he becomes that great guy every single night, Memphis could go really far in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I I I think that he. Um, it's interesting that you say it that way. I think that there are some similarities between DeAndre Ayton and Jaron Jackson. The one thing that's different that stands out to me is that Jaron has never been a great rebounder, and I feel like DeAndre, from the moment he got in the league, was a very good rebounder. Um, but Jaron plays a different style of game where he's not in the paint as much as DeAndre. So maybe those. Uh, those statistics are, are misguided. So I don't know. It, it, I, I can sort of, I, I can definitely see the similarities between the two of them. Um, but I, I sort of wonder if Jaron will ever be a player like Deandre Ayton, just because the style that he plays is different. 
you know? Well, he's definitely, he, he, yeah. So it just depends on how, how much imprint, like you said, he has on every single game and how consistent he is and, and what happens in the playoffs is defense is the most important. And then everything else is kind of gravy. So anyway, I just thought that was, that's interesting because we've always been, now we've only recently Suns fans and, and people in this area have only recently stopped talking about the 2018 draft <laughs> because of so many other players that possibly DeAndre Aiden should have not have been picked over uh, because he did so well in the playoffs this past year and they're, and they're a finals contender again, partially because of him. So uh, I just thought that was interesting. The way you talked about Jaron is exactly what we were saying about Aiden a year ago. So let's talk about, uh, let's first, let's talk about the time without jaw Morant this year. And then let's talk about jaw himself. So the Grizzlies went through, um, a stretch. I think they won 10 of 12 without John Moran at one point. I'm not sure exactly their record, but they fin- they were on a run of 10 of 12 without jaw. And then jaw came back and uh, needed a week or so to get comfortable again. And I remember seeing a post-game interview where he said fans on the on the on court side were heckling him, saying, "Hey, why don't you go back on the injured <laughs> injured list?" And he got really offended by that. Um, what's your recollection of that whole period of time? And then, obviously, we'll we'll get into Jaw MVP. Yeah, one of the things that drives me crazy, <laughs> crazy that I continuously hear when it comes to the John Rant. Um, MVP conversation because at, when he scored 52 the other night, he had 46 the, the night before that people really started that that was a conversation that picked up, whether that's just the national media wanting another talking point for jaw, something that's unrealistic or not. It doesn't really matter. I, I, it drives me crazy when people make the point that jaw, he can't win the MVP because his team went 10 and two without him. Go look at the stretch of games that the Grizzlies played. That was in the middle of when COVID was depleting everyone. Uh, the Grizzlies were just as depleted as everybody else. And over that stretch of 12 games, the Grizzlies played, I want to say at least eight of those games were played against teams missing their star player. And so mm-hmm. they were games that, frankly, the Grizzlies should win. They talk about how good the depth of this team is. They go 10 guys deep every single night. Every single night during the middle of the season when they were winning, it felt like that somebody else was stepping up as a contributor. Um, and that definitely makes the Grizzlies a better team. But that, sh- that should never be held against Ja. And to me, that, that right. argument just never made any sense. Um, and to be honest, like this was the conversation that they I know that they had was, Ja, you have to understand, those 10 those, – 10 out of 12 that they won was a fluke. They were playing against teams that were terrible. They didn't have their star players. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I think that that passed pretty quickly. Like that was not something that stuck around that, that he, right. he quieted that very quickly. Uh, and it would sound, sounded to me like a drunk fan sitting courtside, uh, being mean uh and so i think that uh they got over that pretty quickly you know um i knew that that would blow up when that incident happened jaw more than any other player the grizzlies have ever had or this city frankly they the people love him because one he's a superstar of the caliber that the franchise has never had and two Mm. He is a small town guy that clearly has no problems playing in a small market. He grew up in a small town in the South. 
Now he lives in Memphis in the South, which is feels small for the NBA. And um, he really, really does represent the city with everything that he, he always is talking about Memphis. He calls himself a Memphian. Uh, I don't think that there's any concerns that they're going to be able to keep him here long term because of mm-hmm. sort of that. He's got a great rapport with the front office, and um, and I, it, you know, that to me was just a moment in time. But I knew that it was going to pass, and I don't think that there's any real concerns with you know John the fans. I think it was just a just some guy. Yeah, I didn't think so either. I thought that was hilarious when I heard it. I'm like, well, a fans are just fans; they're idiots. Uh, we're all idiots, right? When we're a fan and not covering the team or, or representing the team, we can be idiots too. That's fine. Everyone goes through those motions. What I took from it was Jaw using that as motivation in a positive way, right? Saying, hey, look, uh, on one hand, I can't be a reason that the team plays a little bit worse with me. And so all of a sudden he's MVP caliber since then. It's like that, Maybe that or maybe other things, I don't know, but that helped him like take another leap after that. He is so much better as a player this year than I, I think than he was a year ago. My Do you favorite, agree? Yes, I agree. My favorite John Morant finding motivation in something that maybe isn't, isn't worthy is that he doesn't want to win most improved player. Like he's adamant that he cannot be the most improved player this year because he thought he was already too good to win most improved player. <laughs> um, and so he always tries to pass it off on his teammate Desmond Bain and say Desmond Bain's. So I I actually did a story. I went to the, a game in Charlotte because that's like an hour from Jaws' hometown, and I went with his high old high school coach. And his high school coach said, "You know, you know why he doesn't want the most improved player? Honestly." because he just wants to find something else to be pissed off about. Like that's, that's exactly what he said. He just needs something to be angry about so that he can motivate himself. So yes, he doesn't want to move, win most improved player. He's a huge favorite to win most improved player. He probably will win it. Uh, that'll be a hilarious interview, by the way, when Charles Barkley is talking <laughs> and not just sitting there mad on TV, that, that'll be great. Um, but yeah, I do think, I think he's a, a, a better player. I think that he had this in him last year. We saw flashes of it, and he scored 47 points in a playoff game. Um, he just it, – it wasn't quite as consistent. Right. And I think having a better team around him has really helped him become better. He's The unison between him and Steven Adams has worked out tremendously because mm-hmm. Steven is so great at, you know, those screen assists and shielding off guys in the lane, Jaws getting – even more open layups than he did last year. And then it, there's a there's a better confidence to his three-point shot. He's shooting 35% on the season, although he's shooting hasn't been shooting it too well as of late. Uh, I think all those things combined really have, have turned him into this, this guy that can go score you 35 points every single game. I think over but until the game against the Rockets, he was averaging more than 40 points per game over his last five. And um, first player in franchise history to get to 52. He, he's really he's changing the franchise as we, yeah. we've known it because the Grizzlies have had good teams. They've been to the Western Conference Finals. They've had all-star starters in Marcus Gasol, but never a player as exciting as him, never a player as bold as him. The Grizzlies talk trash, and it mostly comes from Ja, and they back it up. Um and I, I don't know if there's, like I said earlier, I, I don't know if there's a more exciting player strictly from a, a fan perspective to watch in the NBA. You go to these road games and 
everywhere you go, there's little kids in number 12 jerseys mm-hmm. because of him. And I think that, you know, that's super, super exciting for a team that's never had a guy like that. What was it? Uh, what game was it where Jaw was pissed off that a little fan was in the other team's jersey? That was Golden State. Yeah. That was- <laughs> Yeah, he said he, he side so eyeing a little one. kid. <laughs> he scores the end one. He flexes and he stares down this little kid in a in a Warriors jersey who's got his hand out trying to get a high five. And he said after the game, he was like, I'm "Sorry, I'm sorry to the little kid. I was in the moment, but you know, you got to take the, in that moment. You got to take that jersey off." Like, and he said, "Somebody get me that kid's contact information." We'll get, uh, we'll get him a John Morant jersey. Yeah. <laughs> the very next game, the Grizzlies announce a promotion. Hey, you can come turn in any jersey you want, um, and we'll give you a John Morant jersey in exchange. And so uh, the first kid in line the next day had a Steph Curry jersey. He turned in a Steph Curry jersey for a John Morant jersey. I thought it was a marketing masterpiece there. But that was awesome. Yeah, that was a great moment. Man, that's even better than the lemonade stand that we had here in Phoenix. I love that. That's great. Um, yeah, so that's that's pretty incredible how where Jaw gets his motivations. And I, I like what you said about him being the hometown guy, you know, being a Memphian. The Suns Suns fans are one of the reasons they're they're just they go so to bat for Devin Booker is because he started here. He suffered just like the fans did for five years around terrible teammates, intentionally terrible for most of the time. And then as soon as his team got good, all of a sudden now Devin Booker is one of those guys who might be in the MVP conversation uh, going forward. And, and uh, But it's just it's it's neat to see guys be hometown guys and stay in their markets. And you're not worried about Jai leaving. The Suns aren't worried about Devin Booker leaving. Um, that's It's really nice to see that be a shift from the player empowerment LeBron James era where you just go to a different team every year trying to lead a championship. LeBron just the other day said, oh, well, yeah, I'm not closing the door on Cleveland again. It's like, you just signed a four-year contract through into age 40 with the Lakers. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, so it's good that uh, players are, you know, owning their hometown and, and, uh, and their teams are putting good teams around them. Hey, let's take just a minute to talk about our friends at DraftKings. Hoop fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is just too good to pass up. We're talking Chris Paul no look to Mikael Bridges cut into the rim good. We're talking DeAndre Aiden feathery hook shot good. We're talking Devin Booker jump shot good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if you win. It's that simple. Everyone plays for huge cash prizes every single day on DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total cash prizes with your first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN to bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if you win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Got to be 21 plus. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN red line 1-800-889-7, excuse me, 9789. In Connecticut, call 888 888- 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 
H-O-P-E-N-Y, or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. Um, Steven Adams. He's, uh, that guy is just incredible. He actually has an entire career of opening up driving lanes for Russell Westbrook. So I'm not surprised to hear that he's been excellent at helping seal off guys and, 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 and get jaw driving lanes as well, because he, one of the most athletic guy in the NBA in between Derek Rose and John Morant was Russell Westbrook. And so that's uh that, that was a perfect pairing. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm guessing it was strategic on the, on the Grizzlies part to swap him out for Jonas. Um, but it's, that's been a really good thing. Do you see in the playoffs, the best combination uh, for the Grizzlies, whether it's whether would it be matchup dependent, whether Jaron Jackson Jr. and Stephen Adams play together in the same lineup, or is it just a given they're going to do it no matter what? Um, I think it'll be matchup dependent. I think that towards the end of games, you're going to see more of Jaron playing center than you are of Stephen playing center. Steven has almost completely been handcuffed to John ja Morant this season for good reason. Obviously, Steven is such a good rebounder that even when Ja misses at the rim, and I've asked him about it, he says he's got to miss first, mate. That's what, that's what he always says. But <laughs> he's always there uh, to clean it up, it feels like. Yeah. Uh, and so, I, I, but I don't know if he has, I mean, he's not a good free throw shooter, and I don't know if he has the offensive game. Um, or versatility that when teams go small in the playoffs that he's going to match up well. Now he's going to play. He's going to play significant minutes in the playoffs. I just don't know if the Grizzlies will close with him. They've had the tendency in these close games when everybody goes small to go with Jaron at center instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jaron, like we talked about, defensively is a, it, it works perfectly fine at center. Um, it's the rebounding from Steven that you lose when you go in that direction. How about the uh, how about the pairing of well the the twosome of Dev- Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks? I know Dylan's been hurt a little bit this year. Are those two guys who would be in the same lineup, or would they swap? They would be in the same lineup because uh, Dylan is the best wing defender that the Grizzlies have, or de- best perimeter defender that the Grizzlies have. So they like to use those two together. Um, I think that, oh well, Desmond obviously has played great this season. They're going to need his shooting in the playoffs. But Dylan, we talked about Jaron being so important. The biggest question the Grizzlies have going forward into the playoffs is is Dylan Brooks. It's it's surrounded by Dylan Brooks. The Grizzlies have had the worst fourth quarter defense in the NBA since January first. They have been terrible at stopping teams in the fourth quarter since January first. A big reason why is because they haven't had Dylan Brooks, and Dylan Brooks. Um, as much as he fouls, is so physical and he plays such a mental game. He really gives the Grizzlies a, a much bigger edge on defense. It, he just ramps the effort up to a level that you didn't see yeah. when the Grizzlies were struggling earlier this year, and they got Dylan back from his hand injury. Um, they they played much better defensively. You hope that the same thing happens when he comes back from this ankle injury. If you're the Grizzlies. The problem with Dylan, and I, I call it a problem, it's not always a problem, he was great at scoring in the playoffs last year, is that he is a volume shooter. He shoots the ball a lot. 
he's not nearly as efficient as some of the other guys on the team like Bain and Morant. And if you're the Grizzlies, you you have had so much success this year without him offensively. You know what the pecking order should be when it comes to who should be taking the shots. Josh should be taking the most shots. Jaron and Desmond Bain should be taking the second most shots somewhere uh, in that order. Maybe Dylan is fourth behind those guys. Dylan does not play like he's fourth behind those guys. Dylan (laughs) shoots just as many shots as Ja a lot of the nights that he's out there on the floor. And when he's great, he's great. And the Grizzlies are tremendous when they have a one-two attack of Dylan and Ja. But we haven't seen him, you know, be that consistent outside of, you know, playing a pretty good playoff series last year against against Utah. Um, Can they rein him in to some degree and get him to play the role that they need him to play? That's a big question, and I don't know if there's an answer to that yet. I don't know if they for sure can get Dylan to play the role that they want him to. That's it. So this this uh, uh, leads me to a great transition to Suns versus Grizzlies, because uh, one of the one of the guys who is the toughest for Devin Booker to handle, um, uh, who gets in, in Devin Booker's shirt constantly, is Dylan Brooks, and Devin Booker has has had trouble throughout his career keeping a level head with Dylan Brooks constantly all over him in games. And there's been, there's been games where Brooks has outplayed um, Devin Booker overall for the balance of the game, not necessarily outscored him, but certainly um, has outplayed him. Booker's gotten better since then. Uh, but it, that's always a worry for, for Suns fans. So let's talk about Grizzlies versus Suns. Let's, let's, let's pretend they both made it through their first two playoff series. And we're talking Western conference finals, Grizzlies versus Suns. What's your, what's the, what's the most, what's the biggest thing in that matchup that makes you feel comfortable that Memphis could beat the Suns? It's Memphis's ability to be disruptive on defense. The Suns have Chris Paul. Uh, they have Devin Booker. They have guys who can handle the ball, but they, it does, it, to me, it feels like they don't have a ton of ball security players on their team. I'll just put it that way. Um, I actually had a conversation with uh, one of ESPN's basketball analysts. I won't say his name because I don't know if he wants this take out there. Who, who He, he seemed to believe that um, the Grizzlies may have a chance against the Suns simply because they generate so many steals and the Suns, you know, they don't have true ball handlers outside of Chris Paul and the guy that – and, you know, his ability to run the offense. So I think if the Grizzlies are to win a series against the Suns, and they look, obviously they'd be underdogs, significant mm-hmm. underdogs mm-hmm. in that series. So, you know, I I don't want it to sound like I'd pick the Grizzlies over the Suns because I don't think right. I would. Uh, I'd, I'd want to see what Chris Paul's health looks like when he comes back to see if he's the same player that he was before he went out. I think that that obviously can make a big difference, but that's pretty clear. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that if, if the Grizzlies have a chance, it's because they can be disruptive. They can turn that defense into offense, get out and transition and win. And also you've got jaw. I, I mean, if you've got jaw, you've got a chance. You've got a guy who can mm-hmm. go supernova and go win a playoff series on his own. We've seen it happen. We've seen Paul George do it. We've seen Luka Doncic do it. Uh, everyone believes Jaw's the same type of player as those, those, those guys. So when you've got a guy who can go out and get you 50 points, um, you've got a, a, a guy that can help you win a playoff series no matter who you're playing against. 
Um, I look, I wouldn't pick the Grizzlies to beat the Suns in a playoff series, but if you're looking for a way to be optimistic, that's what I would point to. Yeah, that's my biggest worry too, is that disruptive defense because well, you're right that the Suns don't have a plethora of ball security guys, although they're they're working really hard throughout this regular season to develop a lot more ball security. They're putting a lot different a lot of different guys on the ball this year, getting them more comfortable. Because what happened in the playoffs last year with the Bucks is that the Bucks had a disruptive defense and they they broke the Suns down once they uh, figured out ways to get the ball out of Chris Paul's hands and into the other guy's hands. And then, like you said, the, um, the, the ball security wasn't there. So we'll see how this year's playoffs work out. The Suns are fully aware of that as well. And it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a real chess match to figure out how the Suns cover for that and make up for that. Um, and then on the flip side, what's the biggest worry you have uh, in a, in a Grizzlies Suns matchup um, for the Grizzlies? What's the biggest worry? Um, I think that a lot of it actually depends on the Grizzlies themselves uh, because the Grizzlies have some serious concerns going to the playoffs. They're, they are one of the four worst three-point shooting teams in the NBA since January 1st. Josh shooting under 30% from three since January 1st. Jaron shooting under 30% from three since January 1st. If you can't make threes, you can't keep up in in a playoff series against Phoenix or against Golden State or any of those good Western Conference teams. They're going to have to shoot better if they want a chance to win a playoff series against an elite team. Um, so that's concern number one. Uh, and then I think concern number two is just the way that their defense has looked. I think that the Suns, with a healthy Chris Paul, could really pick them apart if they're not more attentive to the way that they're how they're playing on the defensive end, especially late in games, you know, Chris Paul's a better player than, than a D'Angelo Russell or Jalen green. And those guys seem to have their way with the Grizzlies as of late. So they really need to regroup and figure that out. Um, we, we talk about how they do play a defensive, a disruptive defensive style. They generate a lot of steals, but when they're not, they're getting hurt. Um, and so I think that, uh, that those are two major concerns for the Grizzlies going into any playoff series. And then the Suns in particular, um, they just have so many weapons. The, 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 the Suns can score inside, outside. Um, they, there's not one person in particular that you have to worry about because there's really three. And so um, I, I, I don't know if the Grizzlies have quite as much star power or star potential on their team at the, at the same moment as the Suns, And I just think that um, you, you also have to worry about what DeAndre Ayton could do to Jaron inside. Cause if Jaron's in foul trouble, now you're really, really limited. So um, like I said, the Suns would definitely be favored in playoff series against the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies would have a chance, um, but I, I don't think I would pick them to win. I think that would be an incredibly fun series. I think any – look, I'm just going to um, uh, work under the assumption that the make, Suns make it to the Western Conference Finals. They they might not. But if they do, a, a Grizzlies-Suns matchup in the Western Conference Finals or a Grizzlies-Warriors, either one would be really fun to watch. I'd personally rather just watch the Grizzlies just because they're so fun to watch. So big kudos to you guys in Memphis for having a team that's just so lovable, so fun to watch. John Moran – getting voted in as an all-star starter this year is just incredible for them because it's such a small market. Uh, obviously you guys um, uh, like are like Phoenix where you don't have the big, huge natural fan base like golden state or the Lakers do. I mean, 
I'll never forget Andrew Wiggins being an all-star starter. Uh, so you've got, you've, you, that's a real huge boon to have gotten John Moran as an all-star starter. So obviously the ratings be through the roof. So fun to watch. Um, so thank you so much, Drew. Uh, tell us where we can find you around the web and, and uh, where we can find your work because Suns fans should be following what Memphis is doing very closely. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Drew Hill underscore DM, and you can find my work in the Daily Memphian. Um, I'm over there with uh, Chris Harrington. Chris does the columns. I do the beat writing, and we also have our own podcast called the Daily Memphian Memphis Grizzlies podcast, and we will be breaking down playoff matchups soon. So if you want to hear Chris's opinion as well on uh, Grizzlies versus Suns, you can go check that out. All right. Thank you so much, Drew. And uh, uh, I'm Dave King. You can find me at Dave King NBA on Twitter. You can find my writing at brightsideofthesun.com under the SB Nation umbrella. And obviously this Sun Solar Panel podcast. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. And we'll get to you, uh, get back to you in a few days on our, on our live Saturday show. Thanks a lot, Drew. I really appreciate your time today.